Good morning, Oasis. Welcome to church. Come on, can we give God praise this morning? so glad you're here today. Go ahead and say hi to somebody beside you. Wish them a happy new year. Welcome them to church. Come on, it's good to be in the house of God. Come on, let's praise Jesus today. Still wandering. Wandering into the night. Wanting a place to hide this weary soul. This bag of bones. I try, I try with all my mind, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting with vagabond. And just what, just when I ran out the road, I met a man I didn't know, and he told me that I.
on your behalf, is here to give miracles on your behalf, is here to release favor in you and your family's life. Give God a great big shout to the Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You know, in church we love to sing about miracles. We love it. We love it. But I've always said the worst thing about a miracle is that you need one. We don't want to be in positions where we need miracles. Anybody want a miracle in their finances? Somebody said, yeah, but most of us don't really want a miracle in our finances. We want things to be steady. We want things to be calm. We want things to be smooth. I realized in my life, it's been a minute since I've seen a real miracle. It's because I'm constantly trying to position myself where I don't need God to do the miraculous. I don't want a miracle on my spreadsheet. Do you? I don't. I don't want a miracle in my body. I want to be healthy. I want to. But God is here to do miracles. And if you look up the original word for miracle, it says something powerful. It says something that God does supernaturally to authenticate a message. So there's a message in the miracle. And oftentimes uh, in Israel, they wanted God to keep doing miracles because they were missing the message in the last miracle that he did. And there's some verses where they say that the Greek philosophers wanted wisdom and knowledge and information and Israel wanted miracles. But, but sometimes God is slower to do a miracle because we don't, we're not getting the message in the miracle. Every time God does a miracle, there's a message for you to believe. There's not a person in here who is believing for finances in this room that hasn't not seen God do it before. You know you've seen it. But sometimes we are so happy to get the financial miracle, we keep the money and let go of the message. But God didn't give you the money to sustain you. He gave you the message to sustain you. Money comes and goes, but the message and the word of the Lord remains forever. So I want to encourage somebody today. Did God do something five years ago and you let go of the message and kept a miracle? Because miracles, if you don't hold on to the message, you'll need one after the other again and again. We all know that person. They need yet another miracle in the same place. But God is saying the reason why you're craving the miracle is because you missed the message. And it is my word that will sustain you. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that the word holds everything together. I know some of us are out there praying to the universe, but we serve the king who created the universe and his word holds the universe together. So we got to pray God's word in Jesus name. It's January 1st and I feel like preaching. You better give God a shout of praise up in here. And so I want to hold on to the message that God is speaking to me. Matter of fact, Paul exhorted Timothy Hold on to the prophecies spoken over you, for with them you will fight well in the, in the Lord's battles. I want you to take three things before we pray. One, he told Timothy to hold on to the prophecy. Hold on to what God said. And number two, it'll help you fight well. And number three, he said, in the Lord's battles. The word is for you, the battle is God's. Sam, I'm back from vacation. I'm back. So I want to pray this morning that you hold on to the prophetic word of the Lord because sometimes we hold on to our problems and we listen to the word. No, we got to give our problems to God and hold on to the word. 
I believe that if we do that this year, you did not come to church on New Year's Day to just mess around. You need a word from heaven. You need something that can sustain you. And I believe that God's going to do it today. You believe it with me? Come on, church family. You believe it? Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you, God, that God's word sustains us. No longer will we be a church that doesn't seek what God's word has to say. Lord, we are declaring today that we are a church that is hungry for God's word, that, that, that we feed on the bread of life. The Bible calls the word the bread of life. Lord, it, it sustains us, it feeds us, it nurtures us and grows us. So God, will you just, Holy Spirit, will you give a supernatural hunger for the word of the Lord, that we wouldn't hold on to problems or circumstances or even our past. We'd hold on to God's divine word, his holy written word, and the prophetic words spoken in the presence of God and in the presence of the Lord. We thank you, God, because they're going to help us fight well in the battles that belong to you. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, in Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout amen. We thank you, Lord. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you for coming to church. If you are streaming online, shout out to all the online homies. Make some noise. Put some uh, hand claps in the chat. We're live. Isn't this great? Hey, if you're in the room, why don't you say, just turn around and wave to everybody watching online. I got some homies on there. Just wave. Just say, give them the backhand wave like, what up? How you doing? Uh, I need some water. I've been staying hydrated lately. Are you proud of me? Man, y'all are discouraging. I said, are you proud of me? Just discouraging on the new year. Who was up past 2 a.m.? He needs to repent. I'm going to form a line up in front. If you were up past 2 a.m. and you need to repent, just come up to the front right now. We'll pray for you. I'm just playing. I'm going to be coming in here, man, all late. Isn't it good to be in church on January 1st? I know a lot. Listen, I, we, my wife and I just came back from Mexico. There she is right now. Christina, why don't you wave at everybody? We... I, isn't that the most awkward moment in church? Stand up and wave, and I just had you do it. But um, we just got back yesterday, and I've never been so excited to be back in church. And so I want to thank you for coming. Thank you for watching us online. And, man, God's doing some special things this year. Uh, we're going to start the whole year talking about Made for This. Anybody in the house, you were here for Vision Sunday or watching online, were you here for Vision Sunday or listening to Vision Sunday? You could clap for that. And I, I told this story about how when I first became a pastor in 2015, like almost days after I got ordained, someone gave me a baseball bat with a verse from Genesis 41 that talked about uh, seven years of famine and seven years of blessing. I won't get into that passage of scripture right now, but uh, it was very pro profound because at that time, nobody, in, at, at least on our staff, was operating with that kind of prophecy. And if they did give you a prophecy, it was honestly well-known verses, you know? like uh, Philippians 4.13. It wasn't random, obscure. No one quoted Ezra and said, thus saith the Lord, you know? So it was just this obscure verse from Genesis 41 about seven years of favor and seven years of famine. And so I uh, held on to the bat for years and didn't pay much attention to it. And then one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Stephen Furtick, we got an opportunity to go out to his church right when I was told that I would be the next lead pastor of the church. I said, I'm gonna go take some time, visit some churches that their movements are inspiring. So I flew out with some team to Elevation Church and got a chance to hear from Pastor Stephen. And uh, it was uh, powerful as I was expecting. And when he goes to preach, he says, turn your Bibles to Genesis 41, 26. 
and it was the exact verse that was on the baseball bat. Now, I, haven't, I hadn't seen this baseball bat in three years, so I called my wife, bring the baseball bat out of the closet, tell me the verse that's on that baseball bat, and it was a passage he had on the screen. And he started talking about seven years of famine and seven years of favor, and if you read the story of Joseph, Joseph had grain to provide for the people, and he's saying the reason why God is raising you up in the famine is because you have favor on your life and you're gonna be grain for the people in the famine, your walk, your life, everything. And so I'm just in this service, just bawling my eyeballs out. And then in the service, this was 2018, I'm like, well, why is it on a baseball bat? And, he's, and Pastor Stephen says, so to prove that this is the word, oh, I wanna show you something, uh, watch this clip from Moneyball, which was a baseball movie. And then I just start crying even more. And so uh, come July of this past year, 2022, one of the things I could never figure out is like, was that the famine or the favor? You ever have so many good things happen and so many bad things happen, you can't tell if it's famine or favor? I couldn't tell. There was a lot of great things that happened in the seven years, but there was a lot of really awful things that happened in the last seven years. And one of the things I was discouraged about was not, if that was favor, praise God. Uh, I love you, Lord, but I don't know if I can do the famine if the last seven years was, was favor. And so... Uh, Come July, someone sent me a text message and said, I, I feel called to tell you this. This has been seven years since you have been, uh, uh, you know, ordained as a minister. And I believe that God is giving you his favor. I went to a uh, pastor retreat, guy I don't even know, and said, hey, whatever you're getting ready to tell the church about seven years, don't hesitate. That's the Lord. And I don't even know this guy. And so we just started praying as a team. And we believe that we need to position ourselves as a church for God's favor. And so we released this vision that's a seven-year vision. You will hear this for the next seven years. It's made for this. You were made for the favor of God. Now, here is the thing that you need to know. Favor is the most powerful force on the face of the earth. Maybe next to grace, favor. Because favor from God is more powerful than not getting favor from man. And many of us seek the favor of men, not the favor of God. I've done it as a pastor where we change who we are so that people will like us and give us their favor. When we become who God wants us to be, God releases even more favor. It's not that he doesn't give you favor if you don't do the right thing. I want you to catch this. But the favor increases because you can handle more blessings when you become more mature. My son has a wallet right now with $95 in it. And he carries that wallet everywhere he goes. He got it for his birthday and for Christmas. And that little boy carries that wallet everywhere he goes. And we let him because we want to teach him responsibility. Now, if the wallet had $30,000 in it, we'd hold on to it for him. <laughs> until he's ready to hold on to $30,000 for himself. So some of us are walking around in the spirit with $95 in a wallet because God knows I don't care if they lose that. This binder on the first day of the year. And some of us are praying for provision and praying for favor, but God is like, I can't give you a wallet with 30,000. You'll lose it. So I'm going to give you a wallet with 95 just to teach you how to take care of things of yourself, but I'm not going to give you something that matters so much to the kingdom that if you lost it, people wouldn't get saved. People would, I can't give that to you, son. Can't give that to you, daughter. So don't complain about your $95. Grow up in maturity. Grow up in your knowledge of Jesus. Grow up in the word and watch God give you something that if you lose it, it really matters. Here's the thing. I'm not better than you. I, am, I have sin crouching at my door just like everybody else does. But you know what? If I lose certain things, they really matter. I've been given some things that really matter. 
And so I've, God's preparing my heart to, to lead a church to a greater maturity. And so that's what this is about. It's being made, constructed, designed. When, when it says go out and make disciples, it means to construct or design. Do you want God to construct or design you? Or do you want God just to release enough money so you can construct and design your dream house on the palisade? Before he gives you that, he's got to construct and design you. He's got to make you. We are made to serve God. We were made in the image of God. I said this all the time when, 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 when Peter asked, do we have to pay taxes? What a great question. Jesus said, whose image is on the coin? And Peter said, Caesar. Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. Oftentimes we think that verse is about taxes, but no, it's about image. What he was saying is if Caesar's image is on the coin, then give the coin to God. But my image is on you, so give your life to me. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's about image. God wants to make you and fashion you and conform you into his image. And that's what made for this is about. Now that cannot happen if we don't do three things, which I'm, we're going to be repeating a lot. And those three things in our church are we need to be present. Thank you for being present on January 1st. Come on, make some noise for yourself. Thank you for being present online. Uh, we need to be present. Number two, we need to be generous. There's something about generosity that I believe that God wants to release in our church. And number three, we need to be connected. We need to be connected. Now I want to turn you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter four, because some of us are like, when is he going to read a scripture? He hasn't read a scripture yet. Genesis chapter four, verses one through 16. Can you handle 16 verses? Come on, I need you to help me preach. Can you handle 16 verses? All right. We're reading from the NLT. Uh, it says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife. I tried to find a verse that didn't have that there that strong, but I, I really couldn't, man. It's a family service. Um, so we'll just keep pushing. Uh, but it's, it's biblical. With his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. That's what happens. And then um, it says, when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Hallelujah. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, somebody say harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. That made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Can I pause here for a second? And say that I was really uh, taken aback by this passage of scripture as I was studying it and thinking about it and praying through it. Because it confirms to me that there are certain things God does not accept. But God is love. But God doesn't accept everything because he is love. And one of the things that we are being conditioned to believe is that if we are love, we have to accept everything everybody does. Acceptance and love are different. Now, I'm not here to judge which one you should do. I'm not. You need to pray the Lord, and it should be according to his word. But all I want you to take this away is acceptance and love are not the same thing. Because did God not become love when there was something he didn't accept? No. So you don't have to accept everything to make people feel my 2023 is Julian 
Three years as a lead pastor, one of the things that I feel like I've done a little bit too much is I've been more focused on making sure people felt loved than they were actually loved. And I'm still catching L's. I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do, and you need to know that I love you. You might not always feel loved, but that doesn't mean you're not loved. So in order to feel loved, we, we, we exalted acceptance over love. And we've actually made it impossible for someone to be loved if you don't accept everything that they do. Does that make sense? And so what happens is we don't even know what the word says about stuff anymore. We just know that if you don't feel accepted by that, then I'm supposed to set aside the word because I need to love you. I need to put love, love up. And even people who aren't Christian will say that God is love. Yes, but it says right here that God said, and this is the, the, um, the SIV version, the San Bernardino International version, said that when Cain gave the offering, God was like, nah, bruh, I don't accept that. I love you, but that's unacceptable. Come on, as a parent, can we say I love you, but that's unacceptable? As Christians, I love you, but that's unacceptable. Hey, hey, my friend, I love you, but that's unacceptable. Some of us have something right now that would really build up a friend in love and we just told him the truth, but we want him to, be, to feel accepted so we don't tell him the truth. Now, by the way, the Bible says it's the Holy Spirit's job to lead people to the truth. Even Jesus, I've never found a scripture where, where Jesus withheld grace, but there are scriptures where he withheld truth and he did not tell people the truth. He said, he told his disciples, there's so much I want to tell you, but your souls couldn't bear to hear it now. A real pastor knows the condition of the soul of the person they're pastoring and knows if they're ready for the word. Shepherding and pastoring is also preparing people to be able to receive the word. It's not shouting the word on your Instagram stories and saying, I guess you don't want the truth. No, no, no. Oh, man. It's preparing. You know I love you, right, girl? But you are tripping. Come on, shoot. You feeling empowered? Shoot that text right now. Says, I don't, I don't, I don't accept this. And watch what the Lord said to him. Rejected his little funky offering. <laughs> you understand how good, if you're not careful, we, we act like God's not good. Because he didn't accept that action. But I want to tell you, whatever the action could have been, it could have been an action, this action involved an offering. This action could involve sexuality. This action could involve anything that according to God's word is unacceptable. And God said, nah, brother but then had a conversation with them. We can't even get Christians to have conversations with people who are doing things that are unacceptable to God. And God himself told Cain, why are you mad? Rejected his offering and then leaned in. Man, he's good. Why are you mad? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. The Bible says Cain didn't even say anything to God. God came in like an old school father. I wiped that look off your face. He was old school. Why are you looking like that? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. There are certain things in the Bible where sin is a choice. But interestingly enough, in this passage, God describes 
sin as some evil force looking to, to, to get you to do something that's the opposite of what God wants you to do. So what did God do 2,000 years later? This is why I love God. He knew that sin was always there, trying to get you to do something that was the opposite of God's will. So he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for that sin so that you could give, so he could give you the Holy Spirit, something that was always there to help you battle the power of the sin. What's better to battle the power of sin than the power of the Spirit? So he says, if sin is always there, then I'm going to send my son to give you something even greater that is always there. The Bible says greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. This is a beautiful thing. And so if it continues, um, uh, Cain's heated um, and he's, he's uh, God's telling Cain he's going to subdue sin. And so verse eight says, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go on to the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? Original translation is, am I my brother's keeper? Shout out to Wesley Snipes in New Jack City. Come on, somebody have my back. Somebody have my back. But the Lord says, what have you done? Listen, Whew. your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you. Listen, we're in a season of harvest. We're in a season of favor. I want you to catch this. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, no. For I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain and warned anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. There are certain Christians who would celebrate if an evil person died, a wicked person died. God was like, not only am I going to talk to the wicked person, don't let anyone try to talk you out of the fact that God is good. Not only am I going to have a conversation with the person who gave me a shady, funky offering, but then the person killed his brother and I'm going to put a mark on him and go, he's still my son. I wish somebody would try to put a hand on Cain. After Cain killed Abel, God said, I wish somebody would try to kill Cain. Do you understand what I'm telling you? God's still protecting Cain. God's still speaking to Cain. But here is something interesting that I want us to catch from this passage of scripture because it's going to be where we, we land a, a little bit and, and live a little bit for the next few minutes. But in Genesis chapter 3, one verse earlier, uh, one chapter earlier, uh, Adam had an issue with God. So here we have Adam. We all know the story of Adam. Adam ate from the tree because it was fire. I don't have time to go into that. He thought it looked good, whatever. Eve, Eve, you guys all know that story. And now his son gives a bad offering and ends up killing his brother. So I want you to read Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 9 with me. Um, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? In the first three chapters of Scripture, there are two questions God asks. Even Bible scholars and, and, and Bible colleges encourage you as you read your Bible to look, look at the first time it happened in the Bible 
And God has asked plenty of questions in the Bible. He's asked questions to David. He's asked questions to Samuel. He's asked questions to, 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 to multiple people throughout the Bible. He showed up to Paul and said, why are you persecuting me? Maybe we should do a Bible study on the questions that God showed up out of heaven and asked humanity. Because the first two questions in the Bible that God asked are, where are you and where is your brother? When Adam sinned, where are you? Because Adam and Eve hid from God. And when Cain killed his brother, where is your brother? Where are you and where is your brother? If you're hiding from God here today, online or in this room, you have no reason to hide from God. The blood of Jesus has covered every sin. God might be asking, where are you? I want to be with you. But if you love God or say you love God and you're watching online because you got hurt in church seven years ago, God might be asking you, where is your brother? Where is your sister? There's an accountability in the Bible to know where your brothers and sisters in Christ are. Do you know that's the whole purpose? It wasn't just the cross doesn't just forgive of sin, but it, it aligned all of God's children together. Even the Bible says one that hates his brother or sister in Christ, that, that person, and they say they love God, they're a liar. You know what that word hate means in Greek? It means to love less than God intended. Is there anyone that are your brother, sister in Christ that you love less than God intended? God might be asking you, where is your brother? Where is your sister? In Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, obey your leaders for they have to give an account for your souls. God's going to ask me about you when I get to heaven. I'm held accountable for where you are in your life and the words that I preach. I want you to write this down. This is why it's so important when we talk about made for this to be present. All of our failures to be present in the right way with God will eventually make us lose the desire to be present with our brothers and sisters in the church. They're connected. They're connected. The sin of Adam disobeying God and the sin of Adam's son killing his brother was connected. Spiritual death brought death to the family of God. And there is something, nearly every verse on favor, nearly every verse on blessing is not to one person. It's to a community. It's to God's people. He's proclaiming something over a body. So you cannot leave the body and proclaim the blessing. All right, I guess I'm just going to keep going. You can't tell me you love me but don't want to be around my kids. And my kids can be hard to be around sometimes. Anybody else got kids like that? You drop them right off their back to the... You know your kids are hard to be around. You drop them right off to Maddie and her team back there and don't say a word. They didn't listen to you the whole way to church. You're just like, boop, get in the kids' ministry. Right? But can you imagine if somebody from our kids' team came up to you and said, hey, we love you. Not sure how we feel about little Billy. We don't love him as much as you, I'll tell you. But you, you're awesome. Billy, we can kind of do without, but love you. You would go look for another church. It's not even possible for someone to love you and not love your kids. So God is saying it's not possible to love me. We got to work it out. And I'm not talking about toxic stuff. There's toxic pastors and toxic communities, but most people are just people. 
Most people are just people. And we have to learn to come together because I'm not missing out on the favor that is on my life over offense. And here's what's coming to the church in waves right now, offense. Man, sometimes, I miss sometimes being in the marketplace. We would cuss each other out on the email. But if I don't put exclamation marks after every sentence to let you know I'm happy, I'm just not sure if I... It just felt, I don't know, it just felt aggressive. We just so offended. Church is so many offended people. Just offense. And we, we, we give reason why we're offended. And then we want, there's so much offense in the church. And, and the offense is going to block the favor. Proverbs 19.21 says, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Not even confront it. Overlook. How many offenses did you overlook in 2022 and you didn't even go to that person to talk to him about it? You just let it go. How many? Count your blessings. Count your offenses. And if your offenses are more than your blessings, that's probably why the blessings are less than they could be. Especially when it comes to fellow believers. Because God right now stands in heaven because of the blood of Jesus, completely unoffended. I cannot believe God's not offended with me. I can't believe he's not offended with some of y'all. I'm like, God, you're not going to be. You're not going to be. And then honestly, at times when, when God rejects something, the one thing we do, most people, you will never find a person completely sold out living for God, living by his word that goes, I don't really roll with them church people like that. This is dangerous, you guys, and we cannot participate in it. We can't participate in it. You know, I was thinking the other day, um, you know, and I, I don't believe uh, in anti-Semitism of any type, but I was thinking about how Nike stopped selling shoes, Kyrie's shoes, because of what he said, rightfully so. I, I think he should have walked some of them comments back if you don't, I, you know, he, he, he has to represent certain things. But one of the things I was thinking about that he could have said, he could have said, I don't go to church because Christians are hypocrites. Kyrie's would have been in every footlocker still. Because you are allowed to badmouth Christians. He could not have said that about any other people group except for Christians. They might have sold more shoes. You can do everything in school except pray. So we are, as a church, we cannot partake in what I believe is the verbal persecution of brothers and sisters in Christ. We cannot participate. We are most like the devil when we are accusing. Not when we're lying. This is a good one. That's when we're most like him. I know he's the father of lies. But when we accuse other believers, remember my Instagram account in 2020 used to be what other pastors ain't doing and what other churches ain't doing. Babe, why are you nodding your head so hard? She's like, your nod is way too high. Like the way you started your chin a little bit too high in the air with that nod. I'm going to need that chin to come down and just go. Mm -hmm. She was like. By the way, side note. This has nothing to do with my sermon, but I've just noticed this. Whenever I pass black men in the grocery store, <laughs> Caleb, what did you say? I don't know who made up this rule, 
but we have to nod to each other. Caleb, have you noticed that? I don't, I don't, I don't know who made this up, but I want to be free from it. Like, I, I'm, in 2023, I'm being free from expectations that people put on me. If I don't want to nod to you, I don't have to. But there's this thing where something comes in my soul, and I got, and let me just teach you something. Is, am I lying? And if it, they're older than you, the head nod starts up. No, if they're older than you, the head nod is down. If they're your age or younger, it's. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is setting me free in 2023. If I don't want to nod, I'm not nodding. Babe, help me. I lost some place. Oh, my Instagram was lit in 2020. And I was basically always talking about what this church ain't doing and this church ain't doing and that church ain't doing. And, and you know, other churches like we got to be lions and pastors need to be lions. I'm like, ain't no lions in the suburbs. No, man, I'm not talking about anybody anymore. I'm not talking about anybody anymore. You know why? Because one time I said something that was general, but I had someone in mind. And God said, how dare you talk about my son like that? Even if you don't put their name, if you have them in mind, God will check you. This is really good stuff, guys. Really good stuff, man. It's stuff God's been convicting me. I'm not really good like it's arrogant. I'm just sharing with you what God has been convicting me of. So any like, you know, like, the people that were mad at during the time of race, like racists were like hyper, like conservative people that weren't, were denying that racism was real. And God was like, he checked me. He was like, have I not blessed you? Why are you so locked? I, I know, hear my heart. I know there's racism, but like I, you, you're the only pastor in LA that doesn't have a black church. 85%, that's not 85% black. Your, your pastors, church members, protested desegregation or whatever and he grew up in a church where people were racist and he grew up to give his church to a black man and you hear did I not bless you walk in the word of the Lord walk in in what blessed you not what offends you I'm gonna say it again directly for you my brother I said walk in what blesses you not in what offends you because if you're not careful because someone in the church offended you, you'll be trying to get to the promised land and God will be shouting to you, where is your brother? I want to pick up on a couple of other things that I noticed from this passage of scripture that is really going to be powerful for us to be made for this, made for the favor of God. Uh, it, it says in Genesis 4, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. I want you to notice that it didn't say when it was harvest, somebody say harvest, that they had some uh, service hosts come and, and do a three-minute uh, devotional on why people should give. It doesn't say that someone said, hey, now give 10% of this. No one said anything. So in their instinct, made for this in the image of God instinct, they knew when it was harvest, it was time to give. When it was harvest. Not when it was sowing, when it was harvest. When you know God's blessed you. Come on, somebody online. When you know God's blessed you, that should be in your instincts to give back to God. 
And many people try to say, well, you know, Cain's offering was messed up because of this, this, and that, and he didn't give. We don't know why God didn't, didn't accept his offering. We got to be careful when we look at scripture and say that we know. Even if we get a revelation, that might be a personal revelation, but we don't know specifically. God didn't give his personal reason. But we do know this, and I want you to write this down. God examined their offerings. Ah, I read this passage of scripture and I got so convicted because God is examining my offerings. And I'm tithing. And so I think I'm good. But I don't give like God is examining everyone. Examining it. And not examining it to condemn you, but it, all we know is that God examined it. The only thing I want you to take away is that maybe this is the year where you should give an offering to the church like, and believe in your heart that God is examining it. And he sees it. I'm not saying that you should give more or give less, but give like God sees. Well, can we commit to doing that? If you're going to be made for this, when I say be present, be generous, just give like God sees it. And for some of you, that's more than tithing. Because I tithe. And I feel like God's been telling me when I was studying this, son, give like I see. Because if you give like I see, I will give to you like I want other people to see. I, did you hear what I... Did you hear what I just said? I said, the Lord said to me, when you give like I see, I will give like I want others, others to see. Do you, want, do you want God to give to you to make other people go, what in the world is going on with you? God set a bush on fire to get Moses' attention. What if he set your business on fire to get non-believers' attention and it was never even about you? Give like God sees. The first thing I noticed is that God examined their offerings. The second thing I noticed is that harvest time was giving time. We can't believe that this is the time of harvest and favor and our giving is not. Harvest time is giving time. Like we didn't even do an offering before the sermon. We're going to do an offering moment. But we're going to be like, hey, y'all, y'all, we want you to know harvest time is giving time. If you're believing for harvest, harvest time is giving time. Nobody showed up to say anything. Like I want to be able to take the offering moments out of the church because we just know as a church, harvest time is giving time. Does anybody want to just, just let all that stuff go and we just preach the word of the Lord and worship God and study the Bible? Because we all know harvest time is giving time. And the other clue, although we don't exactly know why God accepted the offering, but we do know this, the giving that was accepted appeared to be because it was his best. It's the best they had to give. The best they had to give. My favorite verse on the way, by the way, on tithing is this. Because a lot of times we're taught that in order for tithing to be correct, it has to go to the local church. And I believe that this is good ground and you should tithe to your local church. But listen to this verse. And this is what I want to happen in your life because they were tithing crops and animals. Listen to this verse and I've read it before, but I'll read it again. It's my favorite verse on tithing. Deuteronomy 14 verses 24 through 26 Now, when the Lord God, not if, now when the Lord God, your God blesses you with a good harvest, the places, the place of worship he chooses for his name to be honored might be too far for you to bring the tithe. I think that this is a better, in my opinion, I I wouldn't say this is like Bible scholar stuff, but I think this is a better interpretation of why people should tithe 
to the local church in Malachi 3.10 because the local church is not the storehouse in any translation in Hebrew. But the local church is the place of worship where he chooses for his name to be honored. You see what it says right there? Now, when the Lord your God blesses you with a good harvest, the place of worship he chooses for his name to be honored might be too far for you to bring the tithe. Why? Because it was heavy. Any, does anybody want to be blessed so much that you have a problem? How do I get this much resources to the house of God? Please, Lord. I want that problem. God created a law because he was blessing people so much they could not get all of their stuff to the church. It was too heavy. Like, what if God blessed? I want God to bless me where I can't do it on push pay. There's a certain amount of money that if I wanted to give it, I couldn't do it on the app. Sorry, pastor. I know you're putting that online at Oasis LA, but what I have to give, I can't go through that. We need to, we need to wire this. I want to be blessed like that. And it says, when God blesses you like that, it says, if so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds, put the money in a pouch and go to the place the Lord your God has chosen. When you arrive, you may use the money to buy any kind of food you want, cattle, sheep, goats, wine, or other alcoholic drink, then feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and celebrate with your household. He said, I want you to fathom, let's say this was $100,000. He said, if $100,000 worth of crops and animals is too much to bring to the church because it's too far, then sell it, keep the silver, and have a $100,000 party and remember what God has done for you. The one thing you can't do is keep it. You can't keep it. If you don't have the faith to give to the local church, whatever you do. Don't, if you don't have the faith to tie 10%, whatever you do, don't keep it. If it's too much and you live too far, mid-Wilshire, <laughs> down the street, I would rather you take that tithe and spend it with you and your family and remember all that God has done for you than to keep it. Get rid of it. It's not yours. This is, this is so powerful that we understand that. And here's why, because I'm, I'm a... I'm going to close with this. I'm going to invite the team to come up. I'm, I'm finishing, you know. I'm landing the plane. It's a jumbo jet, but it ain't going to land quick, but it's going to land. Here's why. Because here are the two consequences. One, Genesis chapter 3 was Adam and Eve ate something God was not offering. Genesis chapter 4, Cain offered something God did not want. Genesis chapter 3, they ate something God was not offering. Genesis chapter 4, they offered something God did not want. Both the consequences were exactly the same. Genesis chapter 4, verses 11 through 12 says, Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. And to the man he said, after they ate what God was not offering, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. Two separate sins that involved hiding from God and, and, and killing his brother. And, and he didn't curse them. He cursed the ground they were working on. And he said, now it's going to be harder for the ground to yield favor and harvest because of this issue that you have. I, I, I had this thought that I want to share with you. I wonder when we're not present with God and present with our brothers and sisters in Christ, is it possible we're sowing seeds on cursed ground? Because the two consequences were that this ground was cursed because they didn't do what God wanted them to do. And what happens is we get out of alignment with the word of God and the presence of God. We get out of alignment with the church and our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and hear my heart for good reason. Some of the most trifling people I know are church people. I get it. I know you want to run. But don't go out there working hard in the world out of alignment because you might be working on cursed ground. God might be making the ground not bear as much fruit to get you to come back home. The prodigal son came back home when he ran out of food, not when he ran out of God. God was with him. And it said he was starving. And he remembered how good it was at home. So God will sometimes bring about profound, amazing blessings to those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Matter of fact, the Bible says when you're planted in the house of God, you'll bear fruit in every season. So sometimes he makes the church the best place to bear fruit so that when you go out into the world and you're far from God and things are going slow, you remember how good it was at home and you come back to your father, back to his presence, back to your brothers and sisters in Christ and you start working on blessed ground. And I want to encourage somebody today who's been hurt, abused, discouraged by other people. No one can curse your ground. Your pastor can't curse your ground. Your teacher can't curse your ground. Your friends can't curse your ground. Your ex can't curse your ground. If you are obedient and you do what God has called you to do, the ground you are on is blessed. The Bible says he told Joshua, I will bless where you put your feet. We just need to obey God. You don't need to worry about what they did or what they said and what they didn't say. If you would just follow God, if you would just do what God was asking you to do, if you would just give his best in worship and give his best in all, God will bless the ground where you are sowing seeds. Does anybody believe at 930 that their ground is blessed? Come on, it is January 1st. I need you to stand to your feet and give God praises. If you believe that nobody can curse your ground, if you believe that you are sowing seeds on blessed ground, now it might not have been blessed before you showed up, but now that somebody that loves God and loves his word has showed up, the ground is blessed. Somebody shout bless. Come on, give God a shout of praise if you believe you are sowing on blessed ground right now. Begin to exalt the name of the Lord. Come on, begin to shout the praises of the Lord. We thank favor be upon you and a thousand thank you Jesus and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you and he's with you he is with you in the morning in the evening 
questions I said favorite like is money not an issue and health not an issue because if I ate like if you have to eat at one restaurant forever and I'm like is money an issue and are my arteries an issue because that's how I want to because if money's not an issue it might be like Mastro's or some steakhouse if if health is an issue and, Uncle Andre's soul food in Studio City California they put an entire bottle of Lowry's on their I, and they have to, but it is so fire. But I said if I had to choose one, it's honestly, honestly Granville. We're friends with the managers. We love the, the people, the staff there. 
um, but there's this one dish on there, the, the thick cut pork chop. Comes with this cranberry sauce, amen. Come on, somebody shout amen. Comes with this cranberry sauce that is so fire that if I had to anoint you and I didn't have oil, bow out, be blessed with the cranberry sauce right on your forehead, just dripping down. It's, it's amazing. But sometimes I don't get it. I don't get it because I'm hungry. And this particular dish and their best dishes take longer. They taste better, but they take longer. They're better, but they take longer. And as I was thinking about that, I felt like somebody in here doesn't think they have God's favor because they've been waiting. But you're waiting for something that's better. But you're starving. And you're tempted to order something that's not as good because it'll get here quick. You're tempted to date someone that's not as good because they're right here in front of you. You're tempted to just give up on that thing that you're doing and, and you think that you don't have God's favor because you're waiting. As, as they were singing this song, may his favor be upon you, some of us went through a season that's so difficult, there's no way I'm walking into favor because this 2022 was the worst year. And I want you to be freed from that. You actually need deliverance from that because that is a, 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 a poverty mindset, a spirit of lack. The Bible says the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. And so I wanna pray for someone to just be free from that so that you can have your heart aligned and your 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 spirit aligned with what the word of the Lord says. He wants to bless you. Now, obviously, we talked about obeying God, but if you think, man, I don't even think if I did, if I align myself with God, that, man, man, my life has never been what I thought it would be. I want you to raise your hand, and I want to pray for you. If you're struggling to believe for God's favor because it's been a tough year, or you've been leaning into things that you know are not God because you're sick of waiting, that's struggling to believe of God's favor. Thank you, Lord, for the people. I see your hand. Father, we pray for them right now. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come right now. Fill your sons and daughters. Deliver them from that spirit of fear. Perfect love, cast out fear. So, Lord, we ask that you pour your, your love into their heart. Love is deliverance, you guys. When you are filled with the Spirit's love, you will be delivered of all things in you that are not a That's how those, those spirits and those different demonic things get in your life is that we... we get too far outside of God's presence, too far outside of his word, too far outside of what he is telling us and our own fears and concerns and issues. The Lord has you. He will be faithful to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. dealing with just profound disappointment something that they were so excited about is just not what they thought it was I want to pray for you God will meet you in that disappointment God will never fail us but what he does can often feel disappointing disappointment doesn't mean he's failing you Disappointment doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. God wants to meet you right here in your disappointment. 
Some of you, this is the first year you didn't say this year is my year because you said that last year and it was not your year. Let's sit with the Lord for a second. several people in here if it resonates with you you can receive it but I know it's for sure from my 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 new friend that that plays basketball up at a college up here north but it's for a lot of people in here and there's this confusion about what to do next because we feel like this is what we always have wanted to do and when it's not working out it's like okay what should I do we're plagued by the question what should I do we feel like if we don't know what to do then does that mean we're confused there's this verse in the Bible that says this. If you keep your heart pure, you are ready for every good work of the master. And I saw that word master pop out. And it's like, you're ready for every good work of the master. So which means purity can lead to confusion. Because you're ready for whatever God wants to do. Anywhere God wants to do it. So for people who keep their heart pure, things change a lot. And change makes you feel like something went wrong. But God will often use discomfort because without discomfort, you just stay in the same place because you like structure, you like order, you like for the, and God's like, nah, I got another pure person to go over here, so I'm gonna move you over here. Here's what's crazy. We don't even know what King David was supposed to do. Many people think he was supposed to be king. We don't know what he's supposed to do because we know this, that the prophet Samuel told Saul, had you obeyed God, somebody from your family line would have been on the throne forever. David replaced Saul and when Saul got rebuked, he was told, if you would have obeyed, someone from your family line would have been on the throne forever. So what was David's original calling? No, God was playing chess. I don't believe I was originally supposed to pastor Oasis. I think God just said, Julian will do it. I believe some other person called to the entertainment industry because that's where I felt so strongly called. I took a month off. I took a month off from, from like preaching and pastoring in church. And one of the things that happened in that month off is I listened to old music of mine and cried for an hour straight, just grieving that I spent my whole life wanting that and it didn't happen. And I never grieved it. I never let it go. And I just listened to old songs. I knew I had it. Sometimes I can condition myself, well, maybe I wasn't that good, but I was listening, I was good. He just asked me to, I was listening to it like, I know I was really good. He just tapped me on the shoulder. If you keep your heart pure, you're ready for every good work of the master. And so purity and clarity don't mix. Can I say that to somebody? Purity and clarity don't mix. Often the purest people don't know what's next. But keep your heart pure and you're ready for whatever God wants to do. Don't listen to all those Instagram stories about goal setting. No, no. Not if you're pure. Because I have never once, never once since I've been a Christian met a goal. Not one time. 
it was way more than the goal I set or way less. At the end of every year, as a Christian, every goal I set, it was either, oh my God, Lord, you went crazy, or God, what are we doing? It's never lined up to be exactly what I had in mind. It was, oh my gosh, this is way more finances than I thought I would have. Or, Lord. So keep your heart pure. And I just want to, uh, just I don't know that word, the reason why this is happening is somebody said no somewhere. That's it. And God's like, oh, she'll do it. He'll do it. So then he moves, he shakes. This is what I don't like about Lord. This is what I don't like. I'm just trying to be respectful I can. But God doesn't appear to move without shaking. He shakes everything to their foundations. That's why foundations are so important. That's why the word has to be your foundations so that when God shakes everything down to the foundation, you still have the word he spoke over you. You don't have anything else. But you still have that. So God said, you keep your heart pure, I can use you for anything. You know who's like that? My wife is like that. God can use her for anything. I'm like a little bit of a, he knows not to make me rich. He knows better. I'm working on having a heart where God could give me $100 billion. Remember that transition service? Where y'all, where y'all, where, where they transitioned me as lead pastor? Give me $100 billion, we might have another transition. No, I'm just playing. I love being your pastor more than I've ever loved it before. Ever. I'm, I'm so locked in. I'm going to do this the rest of my life. That's probably why God is going to release more resources than ever before. Because I'm audibly telling you, I love to be your pastor. I love, I was, I realized the healing that I got in December, I never grieved the music. So I was always not sure about this. And I communicated that. And I was trying to let you in on where I was at. But now your boy is locked in. I, I want this so bad. I can see where God is. You know what I mean? But my wife, God is using her to bless the church. She's being a blessing to a law firm in, in our church where I believe she's going to help build that business. She's, she's blessing youth. She's, she's going to go down here from youth. So my wife has this pure heart where she can go different places. Some guy fixed our gate. Fixed our gate in our apartment building. And I saw him. What up, bruh? And Christina talked to him, the whole family just in church the next Sunday. He's like, hey, I fixed your gate. You're up to code because of me. And I'm like, and you know Jesus because of me. Let's, who's more important? <laughs> the guy already knew Jesus, so I, so he won. But anyway, that's why it's like, the one thing people attack Christina with is what do you do? I think she just go everything. Anything the Lord wants me to do. Start the 11:30. What time is it? 11:15. Oh wow! <laughs> Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you are awesome. We thank you that you are faithful. Father, we ask, Lord, that you continue to reveal to us your goodness, your mercy, your grace, and your truth. Help give us pure hearts so we're not so consumed with what it is we do. But now, whatever, Lord, you're doing, we're ready. We're ready to go. We'll move where you move. We'll go where you go. Sometimes those things are unknown. Sometimes they're known. But, Lord, we, will, we won't be addicted. We don't want to be addicted to drugs, and we don't want to be addicted to clarity. 
Addiction doesn't just live in alcohol and drugs and, and pornography. It lives in clarity and goals and achievements too. Some people in here are addicted to achievements. Lord, break all that stuff in the name of the Lord. Let us just go where you want us to go, be who you want us to be, and do what you want us to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 All right. You can give if you want to. It's blessed ground. No pressure, but I think you should. Love you so much, and I'll see you next week. See you soon.